0: and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. This is a world of possibilities, a world in which people who put their minds to something can really make a difference. My goal is to help the environment. Someday, I'll find a cure for cancer. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we believe that aspiring minds can achieve anything. So we dedicate ourselves to making sure everyone has an opportunity to go to college. Each year, we provide more than $150 billion in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of The American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. And now here's your host, Gina Gardner.
1: Hello there and welcome to Gina Gardner and Friends. As always, I have a great guest and today is no exception. My friend Yvonne Silver has come to talk to us today, and we're going to be looking at the whole issue of resilience and confidence, and looking for creative possibilities rather than looking at what you can't do and you can't manage. So Yvonne, a huge welcome. Would you like to share your story, how you've come
2: to be someone who works in this field? Absolutely. Um, my, I grew up in London, England, as you can tell from my accent. And growing up with a father with PTSD, he came back from World War II, he got a a bullet in Dunkirk, and he showed up as just being a very angry man and very impatient because he didn't get treated like thousands, hundreds of thousands of men returning from the war. And he literally drained the dignity right out of my mom. He was criticizing her all the time. He was um, giving her very, very meager housekeeping money. He took the car keys away after she taught him how to drive and really took away her power. So this was what I observed growing up. And I swore I was never going to be like that. And it developed into this resilient, adventurous, persistent, darn well, not going to be like that streak, which created a very resilient character, which... I think it actually helped me later on in life when I became a mom as well. And my business is is as a coach, executive coach. So I love looking at how people can really step into their maximum potential. And I do that with everybody that I meet. I just cannot help it. It's one of those things I cannot not do. If I can see someone is struggling with something or floundering, I have to extend a hand to help.
1: That's wonderful. And there are so many people, aren't there, who are struggling, finding life difficult. Um, mm-hmm. Life tends to throw all sorts of curve balls at you. And I know you have a son. Um, in England, we talk about children who have special needs. I like to refer to them as special differences, things that yeah. make them unique. Do you want to talk to us about your
2: son? Absolutely. I am incredibly proud, Gina, of my son. And, you know, as I shared when you and I first connected briefly, it's really a fascinating story where, as parents, you know, we role model what we want our children to do in terms of behavior. Um, you know, they they very often don't listen to what we tell them, but they'll follow us and do what we show them to do. And in his case, um, he's now 27, his name is Alex. And he was born with you know, some pieces missing out of his brain, developmentally delayed. And as he grew, he had a, a very keen interest in anything creative, anything to do with cars in particular. And then that later turned into painting. So he came running into me one day, Gina, Mom, Mom, I need a credit card. (laughs) I I got card, right?
1: (laughs) There are plenty of teenagers who run into their parents and say, Mom, Mom, I need a credit card.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, But in his case, I was thinking, oh, great, a sign of financial independence because his social age is more like about seven. So what do you need it for, honey? He said, I want to buy a kid a smile. What? (laughs) So I didn't understand. He pulled me into the living room and he'd been watching an Operation Smile telephone where they go the whole weekend and they're raising money for Operation Smile, which is the group that fixes the cleft palate surgery for kids in poor countries. They send teams of doctors over there. And it's just a magical transformation that takes a child who's disfigured and really very often hidden away or shunned and not able to go to school, to being able to be accepted in society and really have a chance at life. So he said, I want to buy a kid a smile. And they had said, you need $250 or put it on your credit card. So that's what he wanted the credit card for. So that was, you know, a heartwarming enough story as it was. But then People in the banking industry do not know what to do with an application for a special needs kid who does not have a job and is on government funding. They don't know how to process that. So it went in the the B pile and never surfaced three times. Eventually he gets tired of waiting and he says, Mom, I'm gonna sell my paintings and I'm gonna raise money that way. And I thought, well, how brilliant is that? So I got him onto Global News. We did an article uh, through Several different media outlets got him on TV. We got him on a Dragon's Den first round pitch, which is kind of like Shark Tank. I don't know if you have that in the UK. I can't Dragon's remember. Den in the yeah. UK. Yes. Um, so we didn't get funding through them because it's not really a business, it's more of a social enterprise mission. But he did get enough traction, even in the first couple of years, to sit, to sell enough paintings and prints to raise money to have five children five that have now had their faces transformed. And it really, to me, showcased you know, what's possible because here's a special needs kid who's got a social age of about seven. And if he can impact five kids and have them uh, uh, embrace back into society again by selling paintings and getting creative, what's possible for regular kids who have no physical limitations?
1: You know, what's interesting to me, a whole number of levels, is that if you look at children who have a cleft palate, they often have a split top lip. Yes. So not only have you, has your son impacted on the lives of those children and given them a future within society, mm-hmm. but the impact on their families because families often see it as a a mark of dishonor or something to be fearful of. And so they feel in some way that they've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. And so the impact is far greater than the five people who've actually had their cleft palate and their split lip repaired. And I think there's a real lesson for us all uh, when you look at what Alex has chosen to do because he's recognised that he can find a way. And there's so much in there. Firstly, yeah. he wanted to help. Secondly, when he tried the first avenue, it didn't work. And so he looked for an alternative and found one where he was actually in control of providing the alternative, which I think, you know, for all of us, whatever age you are, whatever ability you have, that's a huge lesson in life,
2: isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. And even as a kid, Gina, you know, he, he he was just adorable. He had this cute energy. We would walk into a store and store clerks would literally give him things. You know, he'd put his hand out and say, can I have this? And I may say yes, I may say no. But uh, we get to the checkout and the store clerk would say, oh, he's so cute. Let me just give this to him. And in the end, I had to say, stop. Stop giving him things because then he's going to think that life is just a free ride and you don't have to do anything, right? There's not a, a good lesson here. So um, he, uh, he did develop this very persistent skill and his, his social skills might have been a little bit um, less than his physical age, but his negotiating skills were like a hundred-year-old he would come back and he'd say, well, mom, how about this? Or we could try this, or could we do it this way? And eventually he'd come up with something that I, I think, why am I saying no to this? That's, that's, that makes perfect sense, and it's a great solution. So I want to reward that creativity and yet balance it with, again, if I say no and it's something that's a safety issue, it's no. There's no debate, no discussion, no yes. ifs or buts. But if it's something that I don't have to take a hard stand on, why not? Let him get creative and negotiate, and then he's won. And he used those talents in lots of ways in life.
1: That's brilliant. We're going to go for a short break, but when we come back, what I'd like to talk about is, for me, the principle of focusing on what you can do rather than what you can't has been incredibly important to me, and we'll explore that after the break, so don't go away, we'll just be a couple of minutes.
0: So, what is love? Love is being independent. Love is dancing. At Shriners Hospital for Children, love is a new smile. At Shriners Hospitals for Children, love is caring for a child, regardless of the family's ability to pay. Learn how you can send your love to the rescue at lovetotherescue.org. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Julia? Why are you so excited, honey? Oh, oh do, you, do you want to use your talker? With Julia's autism, using a talker can help her find the words she wants to say. My God. Oh, <laughs> you want to do something with Rose, Julia? <laughs> Hey, oh. ro, ro, <laughs> do you want to play catch with Rose? Ro, 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 ro. Oh. <laughs> I think Rose is excited to play catch too. <laughs> oh, Julia, you show us so many different ways to talk together. <laughs> oh, and play. Good catch, Rose. <laughs> okay, give, give Julia the ball. There you go. Okay, throw the ball, <laughs> Julia. Oh, no. For Julia's family, early screening for autism made a lifetime of difference. Find out more at ScreenForAutism.org. Okay, Julie, there you go. Whoa! Another good throw. That's
1: way. Eh? So, welcome back, Yvonne. For me, um, as someone who's learned to walk twice as an adult and being mm-hmm. completely wheelchair-bound at times, the importance of focusing on what I could do rather than all of the things that I couldn't do is, I think, been a deal breaker for me. It's really made the difference. It enabled me to run my school from my wheelchair. And it's a principle that I use every day of my life to look at, if I can't find one way around things, how can I find my way around another? Now, I know you do a lot of work with confidence and resilience with professional women um, who, uh, who are struggling to start with. What's your view about the way we focus on things
2: and how we can make the most of that. Mm. Well, I learned um, fairly early on in my, in my career. I mean, I was in sales initially, you know, my first job was actually in a retail store at age 12 by 13. I was the store manager. So um, yeah. So I, I, I got to Canada using sales skills and then stepped into uh, less traveling and to an office administration role, which included a lot of recruitment and ended up with me becoming the HR manager. And through that, it was about looking at, you know, what's possible because the hiring manager always had this, you know, extensive list of all the must haves. And, and yet I would have to come back and say, well, this person's got this and this and this, but they don't have this and this and this. You have to you know, be flexible because this is a a bit of a technology boom. This was back in 85. So I was always looking at what is the creative solution. And then when I stepped into doing coaching about uh, 12 years ago, formally, you know, with executive coach certification, I realized that I actually had a real gift for helping others to see what the possibilities are. It's almost like a superpower where as a kid, you might have these join the dots books So my clients come to me with all the dots scattered all over the page, but there's no numbers to say join from one to two, two to three, three to four. And that's what I help them do is see how to join the dots. So it makes a clear picture that's able to be monetized. So my process is to help them visualize what they want in their business, connect it to their heart, their soul, their mind, their skills, their passions, their interests. So they're really embedded infused in the business and then look at not only how do we visualize but how do we monetize it and then how do we optimize it so we've got to be clear in the marketplace to attract attention with all the noise right now then we all have to clearly have a model that works so you're not going to burn yourself out a mix of product and service and then lastly let's optimize and use technology and affiliates and all the other things that we can do to add to maybe your team so that you can have more beach time. And it is about being creative and resilient. And that's, I think, the connection back to, you know, having a special needs son taught me a lot of resilience, a lot of advocating for his needs, but also looking at possibilities and options. That, I think, is a natural gift that I I can bring to my clients, which is obviously highly valued because they get stuck and they can't see the options, and I can ask those questions. A favorite is what's working really well, and how could it be even better? So it's leveraging on um, David Cooper writer's, uh, appreciative inquiry concepts where there's four questions, but I just pick out two. What's working well? How could it be better? And if you start there, it's amazing what possibilities open up.
1: Isn't it interesting how often people will focus on all of the things that aren't going well Mm -hmm. and lose complete sight of those things that are It's one of the reasons why I think that collecting gratitudes is such a powerful way to recalibrate the brain. Because even on the darkest day, there are lots of things to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And I know those who've listened to me before will know that a, a great cup of tea, I'm very English, um, or you know, decent plumbing, the natural world. A friend's just brought her new puppy here, and you know, such a, a great time watching this little uh, furry animal um, get to grips with um, being in a new place. I have to say, my cat is none too impressed. He's not <laughs> grateful for the experience, but ultimately the window through which you see the world will be your reality. And if yep. you see all of the things you can't do, that's your reality. If you look for the things that you can
2: do, then that too becomes your reality. It does. And, and in Alex's case, it really is about creativity and problem solving to, can, to, to let him adapt. To what he can do yeah and you know i've shared his story a few different times um it was on the uh, league of giants tv as well and they were actually taking their book down to the states to train some special needs teachers and he asked me if he could get uh, alex's global news clip and shared it with the teachers so that ripple effect when they saw what was possible, I mean, you could have heard a pin drop, apparently. he told me afterwards it was just so impactful. What's possible? Yeah And in Alex's case, he's having a bit of a medical challenge right now. So I would oh, love eventually for him to be out uh, in schools with kids ages maybe six to twelve, really bringing that message to light of, you know, if I can do this, if I can impact this many lives what can you do? And share that message. Um, I know that words are powerful. I, I wrote a book on, you know, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations, which was dedicated to my mom, who I call my first unmentor, because she she showed me what not to do. Okay. And she let my dad drain the dignity right out of her with his powerful mean words. And so I wrote that book. And I I bring to life things that you've mentioned in there too about the power of gratitude, about appreciative inquiry. And there's one other concept just to share quickly with the listeners, which is um, Michael Lozier's clarity through contrast is in his law of attraction book. So when you are completely stuck, if you can't think about, well, I don't know what I want. I can't visualize it. I'm so stuck yeah. right now. Then you can also say, well, what's not working. And then make a list of all the things that are not working around this particular topic you're trying to solve and then just flip it and say, well, what's the opposite of that? So if you're in a job where you've got your boss breathing down your neck all the time, you don't like to be micromanaged, well, what do you want instead? What's the opposite of that? I want to have an independent, autonomous work environment. I want to be seen as an expert. Well, great. How do you do that? So it can get you unstuck. It's called clarity through contrast, and so I use that a lot too with my clients.
1: I think it's really very powerful as an approach. You know, one of the things that strikes me is how many people don't allow themselves; they fail to give themselves permission to shine. Then they stay playing small, and part of that, I think, is conditioning, uh, mm-hmm. or that they, they're listening to other people um, telling them that they can't. Often parents or teachers because they don't want them to be hurt. But actually, if you listen to to those words, it can keep you stuck. And part of this, I would say, is for people to ask themselves, whose permission am I seeking? Is it mine or is it my parents that I'm listening to, even though I may be in my 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s? Or is it society that I'm asking permission? to be me. And I was mm-hmm. talking to a young, uh, a young man in his 30s yesterday, um, a new client, who feels completely backed into a corner. Yet when you look at his life, very successful, he's been given nine promotions, but promotions in something that he doesn't really want to do but he doesn't want to upset anybody he doesn't want to be seen to be failing and so the higher up the promotional tree has gone the more unhappy he's been and the more cornered he feels by that right and i just asked the question whose permission do you need in order to be true to what you want to do yeah and you know there was a, one of those very poignant silences what he thought about it. And for him, it was his dad's words that he could hear he was saying, you know, you've got to work, you've got to be a company man, you've got to work your way up the ladder, yeah. even if it's something that he didn't want to do. Yeah,
2: those, uh, those early things, I mean, obviously we're just forming as kids, right? They stick. You know, my dad told me at age 11, um, you know, and this is a series of things that had gone, you know where I'd been criticized and punished and criticized and punished that I would never ever be successful in life because I failed my eleven plus by two marks. And that comment, I'm just about to go into high school, I pretty much lost my voice too, because I lost my confidence. Yes, and I carried that, you know, I put up this emotional shield and I carried that until I was forty five, Gina. and oh, then finally realized I was keeping myself small behind the shield. And yeah. it was time to come out. And that's when I started looking at, okay, what am I going to do really? Like what's important? And deciding that I was going to write my book. And one of the things in there is don't ask for permission all the time because you're giving your power to someone else. Instead, it's better to just do it. Don't ask, just do it. And then apologize if necessary afterwards. I just think that's-, it. that's really Especially powerful. for women. Yeah.
1: Uh, I just need to explain for those people who are either not of the age or not from the UK, that 11 plus, um, it still happens in a very small number of cases. um, But it used to be the exam at 11 which would decide whether you'd go to grammar school or to technical school, secondary school. These days a very small number of children still go to grammar schools but not every area has a grammar school Um, and it's an IQ test um, that children take around the age of of 10 or 11 to determine the school. So we're going to go to a, a quick break now, we'll be back in a moment and we're going to just Um, look again at how you can be more resilient, how you can be more confident uh, in the last part of the show. So don't go away.
0: Hey world, I have a quick message. It's about safe driving. All right, let's go. Anytime you're driving, have the seatbelt buckle tight. Both hands on the wheel and your phone out of sight. We're not in your hand trying to text somebody back, because if you do your car, might get smacked. The moral of the story, just put your phone down. The people on the road will stay safe and sound. Put your phone down, put your phone down. People on the road will stay safe and sound, yeah.
1: (laughs) Military families often sacrifice precious time
0: away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen
1: between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides
0: that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there we ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation
1: from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. Welcome back. Now, before we go any further,
2: Yvonne, how can people get hold of you? So the best place is to connect with me through LinkedIn, actually. Um, Yvonne E.L. Silver is on my file there. You can also connect with me through my website, which is yvonsilver.com, And also find me on Facebook, uh, Twitter. <laughs> but LinkedIn is my preferred approach. Brilliant. And the
1: other thing really is to say uh, if you could give the name of your book again and where
2: people can find your book. Yeah, it is available through Amazon and it's called Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. And it's available through Amazon as an ebook or a hard copy format. And it's also on all sound, A-W-E-S-O-U-N-D as an audio book now as well. Brilliant,
1: thank you. Um, Now, we belong to B1G1, buy one, give one, which means that um, it's an organization designed for businesses and um, every time we have a guest, we invite the guest to choose um, one of the um, projects. And this month's projects are clean water, food for the hungry, um, education, or there's a special project for children in the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Which of the four projects would you like us to donate to
2: on your behalf? Um, I think that education is still my focus. Okay. Um, I'm a big supporter of the sustainable development goals. I actually do buy one, give one. I didn't know there was a group doing that formally, but I do that with my books anyway for every physical copy purchased. I donate one to a Women's Shelter Foundation or not-for-profit as well. Exactly. Um, and I do that in stacks of 10 generally, so. Wonderful. Well, B1G1 is a great
1: organization. If you put it into the internet, it is literally a capital B, num- the the figure one, uh, G- capital G, the figure one. And I, I love them because they create a way of people giving You know that the projects are vetted um, and they have a separate sister charity that that actually earns the money to pay for the charity. So all of your money goes to the project. So if you're listening, do go and have a look. It's designed specifically for businesses and the impacts are broken down so that uh, it doesn't have to cost a lot for you to make a difference. Um, And it's great marketing. So for example, one coffee shop, Uh, That I know, uh, what coffee chain, uh, for every cup of coffee, they give a day's free clean water. Mm, And it costs very little per cup of coffee, but cumulatively, they've done enormous work in, in the developing world giving people free water. Now, we've just got a very few minutes. So I just wondered if you had some pearls of wisdom around resilience and confidence that you could share with the listeners.
2: Hmm. Well, resilience, I think, is one of those things that you develop by trying things that you're not sure that you can do, or sometimes it's a big goal that you never dream possible.
1: Great advice, and I'm afraid we've run out of time. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for joining me. Um, it's been a pleasure. And I would say to you, if you're listening, please do tune in to the next show. That's Gina Gardner and friends. We'd love to see you there. Take care. Bye-bye. Great invitation. Thank you, Gina. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that helps you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. To learn more about Gina Gardner, go to genuinely-u.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at gina at genuinely-u.com.